Hey everybody, this is episode four of Radical Minds. We're your hosts, Ryan Smith and Mitch Collins. We're welcoming you back to part two of our wonderful conversation with our friend Todd Avalar. In case you didn't join us last time, Todd started his journey here on the West Coast and is now located in Pittsburgh, where he's a professor developing his own practice specializing in contemplative psychology. Thank you for joining us again. We're going to talk more about how you mix Buddhism and spiritual bypassing as we continue our great and wonderful conversation. Let's go. There we go. So, uh, so Todd, when you're feeling overwhelmed, um, either at work or just in life in general, are there certain things that you do to bring you back on track or get you back on the rails, so to speak, some like practical things or or questions you might ask yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think to tag team to earlier. So once I do that pause, once I notice where I'm at, um, it's usually so. It, it, I think it goes one or two ways. If I'm so stuck in it, where I know, you know, like an example is if I know that going and going for a walk or something like that, or um, if I know uh, practicing my violin, for instance, if I know these things will make me feel better, but if my energy is so depleted and my, like, that spiritual piece of myself is just in the basement, like, I need to just, like, have help to walk back up the Mm -hmm. steps again. Um, And to be okay with that and to know, like, no, it's okay to have somebody, like, you know, pick pick me up and help me up, and then I'm like, okay, then I can do it. Right. And so if I'm, if it's, if I'm in that place just energetically, I know I have, I've, I know I do have, and I also reach out to certain connections of people where I can't just be like, I'm feeling really bad right now. Or, Hey, even just saying like, so eating, for instance, like if I know if I'm like, I just really want to order, this is going to sound good, um, a full pizza from Grubhub and a dessert and a cheesecake and this and this and this with it, then I know that's That's a signal to you. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, Yeah, something's going on. That's my, that's my coping. That's my, like, I need that Mm -hmm. comfort from it. And so, so then that will like just text someone and just say, this is where I'm at. Do you have like five minutes to talk on the phone or text me? And usually it just takes that little extra step to be like, okay, somebody is witnessing it Mm -hmm. and then I can move on. Most of the time, you know, if it's just, you know, I'm tired at the end of day of work or let's say I had an interaction with somebody that just kind of put me over the edge, then I just know, okay, let's, let's again, let's practice the violin. Let's go for a walk. Let's, um, or even just, I'm going to stop and I'm going to meditate right now. Um, or go to, usually it's, if there's something I'm, that my mind is telling me don't go do it. And then I'm like, okay, I have to go do it. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's almost like that doing the opposite of, as long as it's not coming from that penalizing place of mm-hmm. you're not doing this and you're not going to be good. If it's coming from that, then I'm like, okay, that's a different story. Right. But if it's like, I know this is going to be healthy, but I'm not, I'm, I'm just feeling depleted. It's just like, I'm going to activate myself and go or just do some, like a quarter of it. Giving myself permission to... And you know, once you get yeah. started, you're probably going to do more than you thought you would have anyway. Yeah. And then you're like, I got going, and I got myself out there, and mm-hmm. I was compassionate mm-hmm. with myself and vulnerable, and now I can get back on track again. Yeah. We yeah. call it reaching into your toolbox. So reaching, reaching into, into your, tool- your toolbox. Yeah. We all have these tools. You reach into the toolbox. If it's, you know, I'll share some of your tools in your toolbox. Yeah. Well, definitely art is one of my uh, things that I'll turn to. Mm-hmm. I love reading as well, so I can dive into... Uh, a fiction novel. I wouldn't go yeah. necessarily the straight Holocaust into. or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, something <laughs> fun. Yeah. You know? um, 
but also I have those key people in my life as well that I'll turn to, I think, that help me get back on track. Um, but definitely having those tools, knowing that I can reach them and grab them, and I know that I'm going to feel better after doing them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they're easy and accessible. They're not something that I could do like 18 steps to get, get it done. Get to it, yeah. Right. Um, so that's kind of what, what I do. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, ones that come to mind would be um, DJing. I love I love getting yeah. behind the turntables. Uh, juggling, that's when things are really oh. intense. That forces my focus because I have to only do that. I can't do anything else. If I'm juggling, listening to music, of course, mm-hmm. Co- um, documentaries, that's mm. something I always go to a lot is documentaries. Yeah. So those are things that we, we both have these tools. Like even if we can't reach out to each other, then we can, you know, I can do one of these things, you know, quickly mm-hmm. or something like that to, to, you know, keep me going, you know, that's keep me moving up a little bit. So yeah, it's that we just, we big advocates of having those tools you can reach to simple, have, safe and free. Um, yeah. Do you have like a, um, cause I'm imagining now like an actual toolbox and opening up. One of the things my advisor and mentor always talk about is like, have a self-esteem box. And mm-hmm. so that could be these things that you turn to. But I've also like, if you need that extra little push and you do need that little bit of affirmation is having like, an example would be, um, excuse me, <coughs> a letter of recommendation someone wrote you or mm-hmm. um, something that you, when you receive that, you just felt elated. You know, you just felt you turned to those. seen yeah. and connected yeah. with. And sometimes that's really helpful because when you're stuck in those moments, I know I get so caught up in that, mm, that fantasy, that, 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 like, you know, that just being fused with whatever thoughts and voices that are there. It's kind of tearing you down. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, I'm not necessarily a proponent of say like, okay, completely deny all of that because I think that could be invalidated in the emotional experience, but at least just say like to shake myself a little bit loose and to be able to step back and observe it. Let's take a look at some other things that are the kind of the opposite of that. Right. You know, and to also not to, cause right when you're in those moments, you're so, you know, again, act talks about fusion. You get so fused to the thoughts. I'm mm-hmm. like holding my hands right now. Like one hand is just on this fist right now. And you get tighter and tighter. You, and keep you clenching get tighter it. and yep. tighter and you're trying to get out of it, but to try to get out of it, you're clenching even harder. Right. And so sometimes you need to have like the opposite thought or the opposite, right. whatever to loosen up. And then once you're doing that, then, you know, from a, a uh, contemplative perspective, a Buddhist psychology perspective, then you look at, and this is what I try to do is, okay, well, both can sometimes be true and both can sometimes never be true. And to try to loosen up the, because if you go one other way, then you're like, okay, no, I'm really good. I'm really An good. Extreme, I'm like, right, the extremes, right? extremes, yeah. Then you like let yourself down because then when those voices come back, you're like, oh. Right. And you end up being the same They're confirming the, yeah. 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 And that's opposite of what we're talking about, the resonance, that's actually causing, we want to cause some dissonance. Mm-hmm. to cause that to happen. So if, if the rhythm or the wavelength is going this way, I need something to shake up that rhythm or that pattern. Yeah. And that's when you need to know yourself to know what can I do to cause that, that dissonance you know, to get back, mm-hmm. not get back to the place of resonance that I want to be in. Yeah. So. Mm, I like that. Mm. All right. So here's another question for yeah. you. What is your, this is going to sound contrary, but that's on purpose. Contrary? To cause some dis- contrary. Oh, contrary. To cause some dissonance. <laughs> what is your favorite failure? And how has that failure or the feeling of that failure mm. set you up for success later? Okay, let me let me dip back into all of the parts that I sealed away. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me think. My favorite failure. Mm. Okay. 
I was thinking about this actually earlier today because I was thinking about relationships. Um, and, you know, right now I'm in the process of just becoming as just seeing each other as friends and human beings, someone that relationally we were not meant to be. We were just not meant to be at that particular part of time. Mm. You know, he and I were both in very different places mm. of our lives. And I think we both turned to each other to like almost prop each other up. But then when you do that, then you don't have anything left. Left. Oh, do no that. more and connection. Yeah. Yeah. And us both going through different parts of our own securities and lives and getting dependent on feeling loved. Mm. And so this was a relationship where I was on the receiving end of the breakup and it was just, I mean, it took me, you know, a year or two to just be able to like be in a place to where I wasn't thinking about him every day. Mm. And it ended just very, just so suddenly. And, 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 and he and I have talked about this and he acknowledges it. And, and, but for a long time there was this, like, first it was, I'm the victim and you did this and that. You did this to me. Yeah. yeah. And then following that, then there was the, and this is the part where it felt like a failure of, I should have known. I should have known. Uh, I should have seen all of the things really in front of us. That was the road that was very clear and obvious to all of those of us who were around <laughs> us and warned us and told us, and we didn't listen anyways. That's like and, our second beating, right? When we yeah. do that to ourselves, I already beat myself. I'm going to beat myself again. Yeah. I should have seen it coming. And we talk about like whenever you should on yourself. You yeah, know, it's you shit sound, all over. And yeah, then it's don't like, shit on yourself. Yeah. And then you got go shit bad. on them. You got shit on yourself. Yeah. There's shit everywhere. <laughs> right. It's gross. I'm full of shit. It's, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> And, um, and so I think the, the, the reason why that's my favorite failure, that meaning maybe my feelings of failure towards myself, feelings of failure of that relationship is even though there's always going to be those parts where I was like, mm, but I didn't do that to you and whatever, mm, you know, mm-hmm. things that come out is looking back, I got to see really what I brought to the table too. Mm. Right. And what they brought to the table in a way of like these were we were two human beings that mm-hmm. were hurting. Mm. And even though on paper it clearly looks like that there's a bad guy and a good guy, it's not never that simple. No. Mm. And and so as he and I have started to reconnect now as friends and I mean we're both we're both in the same field, we're both on the same committee, we're gonna see each other at APA. Oh wow. Like a lot so it's like we both but we have both had to realize we're gonna do this and we're gonna have to work through it. So connect. Be... But and knowing that there is a real human connection between mm-hmm. us and that we're both meant to be in each other's lives in some capacity mm-hmm. or shape or fo- shape or form. Um you know, and starting to get to know each other, there was this real um I think what it comes down to is I learned how to forgive myself and I learned how to forgive him. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when I think about that, like forgiving someone, if you had asked me two years ago, nope, not on the table. Right. And now I'm like, no, I can really see it much more clearly now. And, and then if anything, it's now allowed me to redevelop this connection mm-hmm. with myself and with him. And it's helped me in a way of not in this, like, okay, now whenever someone, when I go into a connection of someone out and about that, that's, you know, not to be like pardon any behavior, but now I can see behavior more clearly when it's right. happening and then make a decision. Well, what do I want to do about How it? Do knowing, I yeah. And knowing that I don't have to change that behavior. Right. And there's a time and a place where you, again, you could take two, three, multiple human beings, good human beings, not meant to be in each other's close circle right now. Right. And that, and that's okay. Right. And it's like, you can't change anybody else's behavior. Mm-hmm. The only, 
behavior that you have control over is your own. Right. Yeah. Right. And, but it's, that's a, that's a very difficult lesson. <laughs> yes, I it is. think mm-hmm. to, to realize that. And I know that was a big epiphany in my life. And mm-hmm. that's when I first started kind of meditating is oh, I really? started reflecting on that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, there's, there's this illusion of control. Yeah. Right. right. I feel, you know, I should be able to control the situation. I right. should be able to lead in this particular situation. But, <laughs> but I really, you know, I don't have control of what other humans are doing. Yeah. I can only control what I can. Sometimes. Do. I mean, I try. I don't. I can try, but myself. it usually doesn't yeah. work out too well for me. Right. So mm-hmm. the best that I can do is be the best me and 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 hope that, you know, the the things that I'm bringing to the table influence people in a positive direction. Yeah. yeah. Right. But. I, I have to let go of the fact that I'm ultimately, I can't just control them, let, you know, and move them to the certain, you know, piece on the chessboard. I can't. Mm-hmm. And do you really right. want to, right? I yeah. mean, if you, even if you could, right? Even if I was Darth Vader and I had the ability to, you know, mind meld people to where I wanted them, that's from, I did it again, that's from Star Trek. Anyway, uh, <laughs> just confused the two <laughs> words. I'm sorry, guys. Anyway, even if I could do that, right, what is that really saying, one, about me and that other person's growth, right? And then that piece of that forgiveness piece, I think that's so powerful, but people prevent it is if I forgive, then I'm condoning. You know, those are two different things. Yeah. I don't have to condone or approve of their behavior, mm-hmm. but if I can't forgive, then I can't really let go. And then it still controls me, right? You walk away. Or I talk about that example, you're walking forward, but you're really looking behind you all the time. Mm-hmm. So you're going to keep tripping and falling over yourself. So forgiving allows you to really look forward and you know take the best steps you can take. Right. Yeah. And I think the other big piece of that is just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that whatever behavior that happened is okay. Right. You're not saying not like that, this. that's right. right. You're not condoning that. You're right. just, you're, you're getting to a space where you can say, I forgive you, you know, things we did things we probably shouldn't have, right. but I'm going to let go of that. This is what I learned. Move forward, yeah. you know, yeah. and forgive myself in that piece, forgive you in that piece. And, we can move on. Mm-hmm. And the next step, if you can look at that relationship, say, what value did that bring to my life? You can get to that place and say, what valuable things did I get from that? Mm-hmm. Did I learn about myself or this other person, what they bring to the table? Then I really think you're really coming full circle and kind of healing from, yeah. from a difficult relationship or any relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's the biggest piece of this particular relationship. And the reason why it was my favorite failure is I got to learn then what was important, what was important and what was it in that connection that, I wanted so much. And then how do I embody that myself in my own life? And how can I then, you know, carry that forward, you carry that forward. And I think then when you move on in that way, then life is funny that way. And then when people do their own work and you come back, you can look at that and, Mm -hmm. and it's now, it's not in this tit for tat place anymore. It's in this, Oh wow. That's a lot of history we have behind us huh? And, and maybe then anything that deepens the connection. You can stop wounding each other and just start yeah, really kind of right. appreciating. Yeah. It sounds like you really grew immensely from mm-hmm. that kind of challenging experience in your life. Yeah. And it's super difficult. You said it took years to get mm-hmm. through, but you learned so much mm-hmm. by having that opportunity to learn. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And I didn't think I was going to be here. Like, I, meaning I didn't think that that I'm just going to have this mind frame when I was so stuck in that. Mm. I was so caught in mm-hmm. the, this is what it means for me. And this is what it mean. This is what it means that for who I'm not. And just bringing up all those inner demons. And if anything, now coming back full circle, it just not only is it that relationship, that person, is just the relationship for myself, but really it just, I think it just changed like the, the, um, 
just the landscape of my entire, like how I look at my life mm -hmm. and how I move forward in relationships now. Right. And right. how can I see people for who they are, their pain, and how can I see myself right. and my needs in those relationships? And I think that's too. what we said earlier is finding purpose. And if there is a grand design, you know, there's purpose in this, in this meeting, you know, with this relationship yeah. or for us right now, there's, there's a purpose for this, right? None of us knew this would happen mm -hmm. today, but this was all, I believe that things took place for you to go through that, to be ready to do something like this, for us to go through the challenges we're going through, to be ready to do this. And I think there's a design, you know, in all that. And when you can see the value in that, see, even if it was, I mean, even for you, if it didn't even turn out well, they won't talk to you anymore, you know, you can still look back and say, well, where was the growth and how can I really value this? If you can really approach all of your interactions with people that way, I think you find a much richer life, I think, if you can do that. Yeah, much. it's a rich and full life mm -hmm. now because now you're allowing, and that's what it comes down to, this approach to psychology that I'm so passionate about is you're living life to its fullest. You're seeing all of the colors. You're, see, you're feeling all of the seasons, and you know, you're feeling, I mean, I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh after this, and it's going to be like 14 degrees, <laughs> and maybe I want to come back to this here in California, but no, and then you appreciate it, you know, mm -hmm. and you then when you enter the next season, that's something new. There's a vibrancy there. Right. And the purpose is pain is not something to hide from. Pain is something to accept as the f part of the full the human experience. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Right. Yeah. And can we kind of segue? I'm just curious real quick if we can kind of get a gist of what you do. Can If you can kind of show, you've mentioned a little bit mm -hmm. how you mix in some Buddhism and other things. Can you share a little bit about your practice, kind of what you've incorporated in your work? Sure. So let me just try to think of how to frame this. So I, I think about there's there's a couple pieces and I'll try to like pick the most important parts to me. Um, so I'm you know professor of um, in this clinical community psychology program, and I'm the director of clinical training, and it's one in which I get to teach courses in psychotherapy. I get to teach mindfulness meditation, mm. training other students to be supervisors to others. So to me the my academic hat. I mean, it's it's my dream job. Like, it really is my dream job. I get to go in, and not only do I am I doing the clinical work of like, oh, these are my approaches, but then I get to teach it and share it with other people. Wow. And you know, even if sometimes some sometimes are excited, sometimes they're not. But I'm excited. I get You're to go enjoying in it. Yeah, I enjoy it. And sometimes I'm feeling like I'm that like like they call me the uncle of the program where I'm like, oh, come on, kids, and we're gonna do this thing. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and I think sometimes they're just looking at me like. A little too excited. Let's go back. <laughs> um, and so, but I get to do that work. And so what I, and, and then I'm starting, um, just a shameless plug, my private practice, avalarwellness.com. That's A-V-E-L-L-A-R, wellness.com. Um, in that practice, I'm doing holistic healing and mindfulness interventions. Um, I'm going to be doing um, mindfulness consultations for workshops for um, companies as well. And so, I'm getting to incorporate all of this work. So just I just want to make sure we're always kind of yeah. teaching each other and teaching people listening. Can you give us some mindful interventions you've given out and some holistic inter interventions that you've used mm -hmm. in your practice? Yeah. Um, so mindfulness practice would be, um, whether it's a for trainee or with a client, um, just starting the process in very small ways. So for instance... Um, if somebody is not even like, oh, mindfulness, what is that? What is that? Yeah. What is that? You know, I might just start out small and just like notice the environment. Just notice everything. Go for a walk and just observe and just label every popcorn thought that comes up. And really starting in more informal ways like that for some. And for other people, it might be, let's do 10 minutes a day. Today, we're going to do a breathing uh, meditation. 
mm-hmm. bring your attention to your breath. You're not trying to control the breath. You're using the breath as an anchor or not even as an anchor, as just a focal point that you can bring your presence back to when your mind wanders. And you're knowing that that's a practice, that your mind is going to wander a lot. I mm-hmm. call them like, they're, it's like raindrops on the windshield and just keep the windshield wipers going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you do that practice with the idea of then they can start bringing that into other parts of their life. So how this is a, how it might intersect with like a a holistic form of treatment is, so let's say I'm working with somebody who, um, you know, has a really difficult time with food. Like there, there's a lot wrapped up in Mm -hmm. food for them too, you know, in the ways that, you know, I've talked about emotions for me earlier. Yeah. Yeah, They're emotions. And And so for them, I'm not going to say, okay, well then now we're going to go on a diet plan. It's (laughs) I'm, you know, and I'm going to say, no, let's just observe. Let's like, what's coming up for you right now as you're looking down at your plate, Mm -hmm. what's coming up for you right now, observe the reactions when, you know, you know, the, you're at a restaurant with some friends, they're bringing the, the menu over and you're noticing, oh, I can't have this, but I want this. And you're getting so wrapped up in mm-hmm. it and you're not. And then notice what's happening with your connections with other people around mm-hmm. you and how you're going insular. And so for that person is just, that's a form of now that they've developed different strategies. And for some people it's breathing, some people it's noticing bodily sensations. For some people it's um, a contemplative practice would be um, contemplative writing where Mm -hmm. you really just pay attention to the form of the words, the meaning, the content, the energy of when you're writing maybe a journal, for instance, and noticing what's coming up of, oh, now you're starting to tear up a little bit. Okay. Take notice of that. Yeah. yeah. And so really mindfulness, I think it can be applied for each person, and it may look very different from person to person. Mm -hmm. And then whatever it is that they're working on, they can then bring that into the picture and then that's where life is the practice. Mm-hmm. Life is the practice. Whatever they bring to the table is what's meant to be at the table and let's notice that. Um, and, and I, when I, you know, in a client situation, it's very clear and obvious what I would do in a practice. But with my trainees, I mean, for them, I mean, we do a lot of, um, in our classes i mean i'll teach them like this is the evidence base for it or, mm. this is how you do the technique right this is the framework we're yeah based this on yeah but we do a lot of the vulnerability work we do a lot of the practices together in the mm. class because i'm a strong believer that it has to be genuine and it has to be embodied mm. present moment awareness is not something you can teach as a um when you're not doing it yourself and you're just teaching it like turn this knob left and this will happen like you just mm-hmm. can't do it like that Um, And so for me, then it's in my classroom. It's also, we're doing that work together too. That's going back to that congruence, that theme of congruence we keep talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of kind of session assignments you're giving out to in your, so we meet today, this came up, I want you to try this, we're going to come back and then we're going to evaluate how you did on that. Yeah. And And if you didn't do it, why didn't you do it? Let's talk about that. And it's not even in like a, why didn't you do it? But of, oh no. Just check in about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've been so busy running around and I haven't had time or, oh, okay. So what made you feel like you didn't have time? You know, and just really keep diving into what's there. Yeah. Um, And that's why I think for some people, they might get so far into it that I have to say like, okay, are you doing this like in an extreme way that you're not Mm. actually present and doing it to, again, spiritually bypass and reach a place of like, oh, this is what it means to be. Can you explain that again too? I want to make sure that they, people understand that spiritual bypassing. Can you explain that term again too? Yeah. So in a contemplative psychotherapy, um, as well as just in a lot of um, Buddhist beliefs, there's this idea where, 
So for instance, let's say I um, went to my meditation sangha and I'm doing the sitting meditation. You know, we'll do it like 20 minutes at a time. And an example of if I'm spiritually bypassing is if I'm sitting there and I'm thinking this is good meditation and I'm trying to be a good little Mm -hmm. meditator. And when I'm a good meditator, that means I'm a good therapist. That means I know my stuff. That means I'm an expert. Mm -hmm. And we all do it. I mean, even people who are, have been in Buddhism for a long time, they're these Buddhist monks, they say, no, it's just a slippery slope. Or, and so when you're doing the practice, but you start doing the practice for like the outcome. Mm, or for the performance start, of it. The performance of right. it. Right. Yeah. So the experience of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I try to be attentive to as me, myself, as a professional, as somebody who's, right, like part of my, you know, part of like even just like, I wish I could just say like, oh, I'm just going and doing it what I love and it's all 100% just like present in the moment. But to have a practice, to be able to get a job, you have to have a certain level of branding. You have to be able right. to you know, what picture am I going to put on this website or how am I going to some planning and yeah. 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 But is when I start noticing, if I start like, Oh, Oh, okay. I'm noticing the big egos coming up right now. Like I'm noticing, like I want to look a certain way. I want the Mm. side to look a certain way. And I start noticing that I'm like, okay, that's okay. I know, I know why I'm doing that Mm -hmm. and bring it back to right now in the moment, Mm. what's happening. Oh, inadequacy Mm. or whatever else. And then so the spiritual bypassing is just getting around the present moment experience by ironically. To focus on the goal. Yeah. To to get to a certain goal. Yeah. You know, that's funny. That totally makes me think of Tara Brock's story. When Mm. she was first starting out, she was in, uh, and I believe it's ashram, ashram? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Doing, you know, intense yoga. And the whole point is to become more spiritually enlightened, right? So they had this very like hardcore rigid practice. Mm Mm-hmm. And she talks about in her book, Radical Acceptance, how she was focused on this so much, (laughs) you know, and trying to be the good and the best yoga person ever that it kind of defeated the whole purpose. Mm -hmm. Spiritual bypassing is what you're talking about. Mm. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. We do it all the time. All the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. Mm. Right on. So what's an example of how long maybe would a session last and then how long may you work with a client? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. So my sessions are um, generally 50 minutes long. You know, I, I think for me, that's, um, for me, that's something that's important to have that time frame because then it also allows us to really be focused on what we're doing too. Um, whereas sometimes I'm tempted to go long, Right. but in terms of, ju- and what we would do in that session is some sessions might be these more skill based. Mm. They might be more, I'm teaching this mind. We're going to teach meditation. Yeah. We're, teach- we're doing it together. Mm. And then other times all for, we might have four sessions in a row where we don't even touch it in a very explicit mm. way where we're. Like, I think about it as therapy as sometimes... It's like a pool. Like, you're getting in the pool. Sometimes you dive in deep end, and then you have to come mm-hmm. back up with shallow end. Mm-hmm. And it's that process of coming up and down. Um, and so, basically... Um, so, basically, um, this is something for me that I think is um, important. But in terms of the general um, length of therapy, I might have a client come in, and maybe we work for four or five sessions. Someone else might be a year or two years. It just really depends from person to person. Mm. Um, one thing that I do in my practice is um, what I'm developing is, so first there's psychotherapy, and that would look more like traditional doing the work and um, understanding ourselves, our reactions. Past experiences past and how experiences. they're permeating this in the present. Yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then for other people, you know, maybe they're not ready for that, or maybe they don't need that. 
Right. And so for those folks, I have, I do what I'm calling wellness coaching, which is basically, mm. you know, someone might come in with a very specific issue. And so they might say, um, you know, I have a lot of trouble um, with emotional um, connections with other people mm. or maybe dating as just a simple idea. So maybe them, I'm like teaching them, okay, these are the things like, okay, so have you looked at certain websites um, to think about dating? Or what are your hesitations about dating? Or what kind of reactions are you having in dates? Or what's making them, quote unquote, go bad? And so we work on a very specific area. And, you know, all of this, there's always going to be deeper reasons why, right. you know, certain things are. And some people may not want to do that. Be ready yet. for it, yeah. And that's okay. And so for those folks, then I say let's do Just something more based. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. focused. And, and because since I am a licensed psychologist, my hope is that, you know, as long as I'm very clear about the, the boundaries, um, the confidentiality differences between the two, for instance, um, that we can kind of go back and forth. So someone, we might start off on a track of wellness coaching. Maybe somebody feels more relaxed doing that because it doesn't feel as intimidating mm. at first. And then we start to do the deepening work. And then I say, okay, well, let's, let's start to transition a little bit more. Right. Or maybe we've done some psychotherapy work. We're starting to come back up to the shallow end and maybe just someone wants some like polish off off the skills now. Like I've done the reason, the work around why am I not wanting to make connections with others? Mm -hmm. And now that they're ready to do it, then let's be more direct. Let's, let's create some very concrete goals to target all this. Yeah. Yeah. So it just depends on where the person is and and the amount of sessions um, will vary. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. So in your practice, uh, have you come across any books that you specifically gift or give to either A, your students, or B, your clients that mm. come up kind of more often than not? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm... So this is... I do this with some clients and, and is I might give them the training book. Like the book of like, this is how therapists are doing it in a way so they can kind of see behind the veal a little bit more. Wow. The veil. Um, I like behind the veal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> veal, I know. I haven't had some veal in a while. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I've ever had veal. <laughs> What's behind, behind the, the blender or yeah. with the wine? With the wine bits. Yeah. I want it in bits. <laughs> Only veal bits. You know, veal bits with wine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but so, um, so I might do that. Give them a training book. I really like there's this one. Um, it's called Contemplative Psychotherapy Essentials. Um, I think it's called Enriching Your Practice of Buddhist Wisdom. That one's really easy to understand. Um, it also gives you a good understanding of like how you can bridge Buddhism in a way that's not, you, you don't have to identify as I'm a Buddhist to be able to practice and resonate with the concepts. Um, that's one. I'm just going to ask if someone comes in and said, I'm a devout Catholic or yeah. I'm a hardcore Christian. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, I can still work with you, or yeah. do you guys find any kind of impasses when you run into that? There could be impasses, but I this is, you know, with Buddhism, the idea is that you're not shoving it down mm-hmm. someone's throat. Mm-hmm. You can say, if, okay, this doesn't work for you, we'll, we'll chuck it A lot out. of flexibility, yeah. Um, but there is, yeah, and there's a lot of flexibility within Buddhism, though, because it's a, you know, it's a, um, what's that word? Theistic? The, the, it's a non, um, how do I put it? So it is a religion, mm-hmm. but it's not one where you are devout to a certain god or mm-hmm. a certain value system. So whereas, you know, um, and as a previous, you know, someone who used to identify as Catholic, so going to confession, well, you want to say, oh, well, in Buddhism, you have the idea of karma. But the idea of karma is not one that's um, deterministic, that it's more, it, like, I think a lot of people say, like, if I do something nice, I'm going to get something I'll nice get some in return. return. Yeah. It doesn't quite work like that. Um, and so there's a lot of opening and there's a lot of, as long as I believe, as long as you name it and own mm. the um, 
what you're borrowing and you honor that, then there's things that you can take from it that are going to be useful to clients. And more times than not, once we start doing the work, I just start noticing for most people, there's a curiosity around like, oh, well, why? Mm. And then I'm like, well, this is the belief behind it. And a lot of the beliefs are very, I mean, to me, this is maybe going to sound cliche or cheesy, but very human. Mm. Most of them are just very human that if you take away the word Buddhism, if you take away the word karma, a lot of it, people can find some connection to Mm. Um, because there's a real warmth around it. Yeah. And um, that's really foundational to your practice. It sounds like a lot of the philosophies and the beliefs Mm -hmm. are foundational to your work. Yeah. And the one other book that I actually recommend to a lot is, um, and you all, I think, mentioned her, um, Brene Brown, um, Daring Greatly. Mm. That's mm-hmm. a book that I like recommend to everybody, too, because a lot of clients, I've noticed, when they're interested in this, they're like, oh, vulnerability. They like want to make that step, but they're not quite sure ready for it. it. Yeah. And so to like, like, I just kind of hand that over. And I said, because it's, it's, I think someone could read that. And, you know, if you look at... Um, her story, she's someone who has all the reason in the world to be type A, quote unquote, and, and to like my presentations and this and that. So I think even for those folks who are much more compartmentalized like that, they can connect with that story with her, a little yeah. bit more. And maybe more with her than say, here's a, here's a llama that I want you to read who's been in a, you know, like, <laughs> you know, tucked away somewhere else for a long time and has a lot of reason to practice. Um, and so I just try to really look at the client and Figuring out some people might be more philosophically driven. Some people might be more real world experience. And so I just try to really cultivate it around the client's needs and really thinking about how I can communicate these ideas in a way that feels genuine, but in also a way that I know is going to be helpful. Yeah, practical. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So kind of shifting back to just like your personal life, is there a book that you give to friends and family like more often than not? And it doesn't have to be related to the work. Just mm-hmm. just a book that you could feel... be a children's book or it could that be... That you feel that people in your life, that you tend to gift to them. Hmm. Maybe I need to buy more gifts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, we could talk about that. <laughs> talk about that story. Why aren't you giving gifts? What does gifts mean to Reading. You? None of my family <laughs> no. reads. No. Oh. Um, no. No, I do have one. I do actually have one. I have two. I've gift, both gifted and been gifted um, two books, actually. Um, the Alchemist. Mm. Oh, that's uh, such a good book. Oh, yeah. my God. I just read that, ironically, oh. like maybe a month ago. Wasn't it wonderful? So good. It was gifted to me. Really? Yes, yeah, my colleague at work. That's such a good gift. And I feel like everyone can relate to it. It's Absolutely. a journey. There are so yeah. many little gems and jewels in that book. Mm-hmm. You just It's mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. That was that book that I read. My mom gave that to me when I was taking my first international trip somewhere and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I hope I'm going to be okay. And so I read that and it was just such, especially at the time, because that's when I was embarking on my, I feel like journey into adulthood mm-hmm. and like, Oh, I got this. And the five people you meet in heaven by Mitch album. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard he has a new book out too. And that was pretty good, but I don't remember what it is. Um, but that book is all about, I don't know if either of you know, no, um, they had a movie rendition of it. In a, in a nutshell, it's basically he. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but basically he meets. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> so nobody gets mad. Yeah, this guy basically is. You know, he dies. He meets these different people that he's. You know, he. I, 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 it's been a while since I've read it. I think he was he worked at a carnival. He, you know, was like a mechanic or a handyman, and thought, "Oh, I haven't touched any lives. I've been doing the same job for a long time." Mm-hmm. And seeing, being on the other side of the 
veil um, of not veal um, <laughs> veal bits veal bits um, is of this the, week behind the veal yeah <laughs> Mitch album um, but basically seeing how he's actually touched people in very small mm. ways and that goes back to how we impact each other kind of like it's a wonderful about. life you find out yeah who I've actually you... never wonderful life I've never you're kidding me no. you've never seen the movie you've never no I think Frank I Capra t- no no oh, that's my gift to you for Christmas Ooh, find cool. that and watch it check it out I'll check it out. It's very good. I know yeah. I've heard of it. It's the same. What happens if you think you don't have any? Yeah. You've made no impact on people, and you find out, oh, my gosh, people's lives completely changed without yeah. my influence. Yeah. 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 Classic black yeah. and white. Yep. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. my, one of my favorite Christmas mm-hmm. movies, maybe top five mm-hmm. movies all time. Mm-hmm. Cool. We'll check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. What are some unusual habits that you have? Oh. <laughs> Usual habits. Another more dissonance creating questions. Yeah, no. I mean, that's one of the things I feel like I'm sometimes fused with in terms of like the things that I like about myself is the identity of a quirky person. So like I I think that one's less, but I make a lot of sound effects. Like and I don't it's I could be with people, I could not be with people, I don't pay attention. Like I was in the last night I was in the shower, you know, my parents have a really small house and I ran I can't even tell you what it was. But I like had a random thought pop into my head, and I made like a ha, like really like a loud sound, and then my dad was like, "Are you okay? Is everything okay?" And then I'm like, "Yeah," because it probably sounded like on the other end that like I hurt myself you or stubbed something. Stubbed your toe or something. Yeah, but yeah. it was just like a random outburst, or you know. Um, so like I do a lot of that um, when I'm talking like with friends, and I'm just you know out about a lot of times. My like I make a lot of impersonation type sounds that are not impersonating anybody, but it's just like a lot of sound effects. And, and I think people are like, Oh, like I've had people be like, do you do that with everyone? I'm like, I think so. Um, do you have certain like sound effects you use a lot? Like sirens or oh, <laughs> what kind of sound effects you find yourself doing a lot? Oh, I find myself talking a lot like this. Really? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the store today. And I don't know why. Like it just, to me, that's my, uh, that's I'm serious right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's something interesting going on. Um, you should pay attention yeah. to me. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I totally resonate with that. Do you? Yes. Do you do that? <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Um, and I do a lot of like, I could be impersonating somebody and it won't actually be how they sound. And it could be, it has nothing to do with how they actually sound. They could have a high pitched voice. They could have a low pitched voice. But when I'm, when I'm like, let's say, let's say I was telling a friend about this conversation we're having today. Um, you personally, one of us. Yeah, yeah. You know, Brian, I'm like talking like about the questions. It, this totally doesn't sound like you, but I'll be like, I'll be like, and so I was just wondering right now what you were thinking right now. And I like, I do that in like this and I like, nailed it. My no, hand. you got it. Yeah. You and it like it. goes up an octave and like for everybody. And, and, and I'm like, I'm like, is that how they sound? I'm like, no. Um, and in person and, and accents, Mm. I'm not, maybe I shouldn't be doing that on the air, but I sometimes when I think I'm doing like an English accent, it does not sound like an English accent. It goes Southern. And then like, someone be like, oh, that sounds like a Southern accent. And then I'll jump into like, oh no, this is a Southern accent. And I'm like, no, now you've gone back. I don't know what you're doing. And and my. And, but do you think you're nailing it the whole time? I'm nailing it. I'm totally, I'm totally getting this right now. I, I. Here comes the sound effect. No. Oh, see, no. Um, it's so. This is the thing: is when I talk with my friends, I tell them that I know I'm that I'm really good. I think deep down inside, I know I'm not. 
And I've accepted that. I've accepted that. But I, now I'm going to make sure they don't hear this podcast because I like I've been under this illusion with them of like, Removing. oh, I'm actually really good. And, and then I, behind the veal, they're going to find out <laughs> none of this is true. Yeah, it's all been a fake. I, I it's a lie. Think, I do think I could do a, a mean, and I'm not going to do it right now. But I think I could do a mean. Um, what's her name? Um, Paula, um, butter, the woman who likes to make a lot of food. Oh, butter. Paula Dean. Paula Dean. I think I could do a the mean. The butter lady. The, the butter. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could do a, Paul, a good Paula Dean impression. Hey, hey Paula, what do you know for? I just do butter. And you I know what? Do I don't butter. think she has any butter products. That's a real <laughs> no. missed opportunity. Well, there should be the Paula Dean. Cream. She slathers everything. With I know, butter. but she doesn't. Does she have? Does there a Paula Dean butter or Paula Dean heavy cream? Oh, she should have no. done that. You're right, right, that's a missed yeah. opportunity. Absolutely. You can have that if somebody knows her. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah. You have a great Paula Dean. You keep I in your pocket. Have a great Paula Dean. Before drinks or after drinks or well, I have, anytime. I'm holding a glass of wine right now as we speak. Um, okay, oh, if there's anyone my. from the south Butter's right now, please don't. Right now. <laughs> I promise, I respect and I see you if you're from the south. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt butter coming that way. It worked. You did a good job. Thank you. I feel deep fried. Yeah, there's a hint of butter in the, in the air now. I'm feeling deep fried. Can I mention? Can I put my? Can I put my veal bits in the butter? Put your veal bits in it all the time you want. Sugar. <laughs> Buttery veal. I think that's pretty good. I think yeah. we all nailed it. Yep. Yeah. We'll leave it up to the to the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll, we'll they'll get give feedback, feedback on that. Yeah. <laughs> so how many parts are we gonna do this podcast? <laughs> The seri- I feel like you should mark it as like here's like the really deep to depthful like soul stuff, and then here's where we've devolved for a little bit, and then here's where we go back to like the deep stuff. I- and I like that we can go back. We're doing the swimming pool thing. We're going right. Yeah, yeah. that's how it is. Deep, deep to shallow. Or we need to cut deep it shallow. so his friends don't find out behind the veal <gasps> what's actually going on. Oh, true. That's true. How the sausage well, is and made. And now I've been thinking. I probably mentioned so many people today in this, but I feel like it's all been. And fun. It's been in fun. And they genuine. know these things, too. Yeah. Or just make sure when they listen to it, you give them a bunch of wine. They'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. they'll be fine. I'll <laughs> buy them a bottle of wine. It'll be good. So what is one of the most or best worthwhile investment you've ever made? And this does not have to be money, but it mm. could be. But think of it as investing time or energy or money, like I said. Invest. So this is not like investment is not like m- not monetary investment so much just it, it could, could be. be oh it could be okay i took but, a class somewhere and it um, cost as much or it could be mm. i mean this is this is a low-hanging fruit here but <coughs> excuse me um my graduate education mm. um i feel like i got a little bit of the southern still in there i feel like it's just <laughs> popping out randomly um you still need it i still need it it's there hold it's on present to it. it's not an accent it's just who i am yeah um so i but i do think my education really because well, there are a couple things. One thing I didn't mention earlier is when I was going through all those life challenges mm. and those growth, my books were what I turned to. Mm. When I wasn't, if I wasn't playing video games or eating, it was like, how can I? The books, my school, nobody could get in the way of that. Mm. Nobody could get in the way of that. No one was going to take that book out of me. No one was going to take, you know, my ability to learn away. That was something you had control of, and I hold on to that. I had yep. control, and so for me. You know, following that, I mean, this is, there's an expression like following your muse. The books, school was my muse, but also of not just investing in like the academic parts, but doing the emotional like growth pieces of it. So if I'm learning how to do, you know, particular type of psychotherapy, not just learning from a, this is how you do it by the manual, but 
I sit there and I'm like, how do I apply this to my own life? How can I embody this? And even and that's where I think, and this is something I encourage my students to do a lot, is even if you're walking into this particular type of therapy, um, instead of saying this is not for me, just you're only going to have so many times in your life where you can just try it. Just try, try it. Something, just try yeah. it on and you never have to put it back on again, but just try it. Um, and so for me, that's what I've done with all of my education. And I think part of that also comes from, you know, a family where, you know, my mom was a, a preschool teacher. My dad worked in a factory till it left him physically disabled. Um, and so coming from, you know, a very much a, a working class background, mm-hmm. if you will, I had to learn how to make things like if I was in a statistics class and we're just doing like, Oh, these are the P values or stats or I, it doesn't mean anything for me. But so I had to learn how to make everything relatable. Right. We, and, we do need to know if you accept or reject the null hypothesis. <laughs> What's my um, margin for error? Oh, come on. You can't make me. <laughs> I thought I was being really clever. And then you were. Just, and then it like, caught you up. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you got nulled. Like, you got nulled. Um, sure, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll reject the null hypothesis. Okay. Um, <laughs> Boom. I knew it. Uh, I win. Yeah. Um, That's why I had you on today. Just for that. Just for that. (laughs) You've met your purpose now. Um, Oh, gosh. But no, so it's just really making everything so in a way that I'm like, this is how it can be used. And I would think that that's the biggest investment. So I didn't just skim the surface. I really just dug in deep. And sometimes there is, I'll, I'll be honest, a feelings of loss that comes up of, because I went to, I was a transfer student, so I went to community college for three years. And, you know, when you take that path, you're much, by the time you get to the university, you know, like four year, then grad school, you're in a different mindset than somebody who's Other, coming yeah, in. Yeah, just starting. Yeah. Yeah. Who li- I never lived in a dorm, for instance. I've always been, had to learn to be independent. And so there's a part, I'm like, what would it have been like to, you know, get trashed at the party? Or what would it have been like to do this or that? And I didn't get many of those experiences, but I wouldn't make, I wouldn't change anything. Right. But and uh, because I made the investment to do the work and knowing when you're a transfer student, you know, I went in, I worked in three research labs, I um, right away and I, tra- I applied for a PhD program one year after transferring from my community college. And so I had to be really driven. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was what it was. And I think the reason why I was so driven is because I allowed this path to unfold mm. in a way that felt just just genuine to me mm. i made it work for me i wasn't i was staying in my own you know talk about staying in your own lane I wasn't right you stay in, in your lane the whole time yeah yep. what's interesting about your investment is it kind of is a combination of everything so obviously monetary you know those schools weren't free i mm-hmm. imagine and the time that it took that you committed to doing that the energy and even the emotional piece that that you um invested in yeah you know so that's pretty interesting mm. to think about it that way Mm. So definitely, uh, probably one of my best investments I've ever made is mm. in myself and my education for sure. Yeah. So and that I, seems to be a, a common thread, right, between all of. And us. I think there's more than just the actual book knowledge. It's really kind of this identity growth yeah. I think that happens. And that, for me, first going back from my bachelor's, I found out this is really empowering. I feel like instead of being in the backseat of somebody else's car, I'm now driving mm-hmm. the car myself and seeing all these things coming up. You know, now I'm still coming out of my master's, still recognizing like what is my actual value. Mm. And it's because I haven't had that for so long that I felt like when I show up to a job interview, it would be I'll say whatever it takes to get the job. Yeah. And I'll I'll 
whatever you want to pay me, I'll take. And now it's more of, no, no, I put in the work. I have this life experience. I have the degree. Mm. And this is what I'm worth. And I think that's that's where I'm at. And that's kind of been a challenge for me to yeah. kind of accept my value. When you went and you, so when you finished your master's, was there a feeling of, um, like, were there other students who had been like gone right in, like right out of their like oh, undergrad, yeah. for instance? Oh yeah, I was much older yeah. going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I came in with a lot of the life experience where yeah. they just went straight in from high school to to, to their bachelor's, right into their master's. Mm-hmm. So I think places where, yeah, I, I mean, I can say I wish I was younger, but I don't want to say that because I'm happy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. But the I can see the lived experience I brought into the class, like you mentioned with a lot of your students, yeah. really helped me get through the programs. Maybe. I don't know, was easier for me, I think, because I had, I had that application knowledge mm-hmm. already. I could already see in my work, oh, this is the framework. This is how I would have, I've already been doing this and using it in yeah. my practice and how I'll start using it in the future. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Man. And I think it's easy to get, like I think about my students and hearing your experience sometimes of like, oh, but I don't have this particular experience of what it would have been like to write the paper in this way right. back then. But then you have, when you go back, it just seems to be like folks I talk with, like a maturity or an understanding of right. why it's important. Why I'm doing this. And yep. I think that why piece gets can get a person through it mm-hmm. in a way that's not just like scampering at like the bits. Like scampering at the... Now <laughs> the for, bits keep coming up I'm in different ways. I'm always going to think about like bits and pieces and <laughs> veal and like smoothies now. But really, you know, in the way that you're... It's it's the intrinsic motivation, right? It's not right. that you're not doing this because exactly. of somebody else. You're like, no, I didn't have to do this. I could have continue to do whatever I was doing right. before. Mom's not making me do this, yeah. and I'm not doing this because my friends are in the same class as me. Yeah. I know where the goal is, and I want to get there as fast as I can. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay, here's a big one. You ready? Yes. Okay, so what advice <laughs> do you wish you could have given your 20-year-old self? Mm. Now, and if you can, give us an idea. Kind of, We're going to date you a little bit. What was going on? Like what music was relevant or what things were happening when you were in your 20s? Kind of give us like a little bit of the period. Yeah. And part two... Mm-hmm. I can wait if you need, but part two no. would be what advice do you wish you would have ignored from other people that you mm. took at okay. the time? If I forget the second piece after I will the first remind one. you. All right. Absolutely. I mean, the first piece, like people, these, I mean, not my grad students, but you know, when I've worked up undergrad, they don't know who no doubt is anymore. They don't know, like, who, they're like, Quinn Stefani, there's a person in like the voice, right? Oh, Blake the voice chick, right? girlfriend. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just saw them in concert during the Rockstage tour. And I was like, no, that was 2001. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> how many years has it been 2001? And then I just like blank out. And I'm like, all right, moving on with my life. Um, so I was. So no doubt was a big deal. No doubt. I was, lo- I love no doubt. You were way into no doubt. I was all in 5 a.m. line to go see them in concert be right up in the pit I was ready I was ready and no doubters let me tell you some of them are really hardcore oh, yeah. don't get you wrong the ska yeah, yeah <laughs> they skanking out there yeah. yeah well and some of them weren't even like I knew no doubt back in those days but other people were like oh you know like hey baby you know they did like all the pop stuff and they were like no don't get like some of those teeny poppers they get vicious they start pulling at you in there um it's real it's real but so i digress so basically no doubt was playing uh and um what was the question again so what advice do you wish you could give in that 20 year old that was bebopping to no doubt be authentic be authentic and own it okay because i those parts that were like, you know, I had my blonde bleach hair and everything, mm-hmm. but I wasn't showing up to the world in a way that you were still bypassing yourself. I was bypassing. I don't even, it was it. I was bypassing pie through the bleach hair, but I also 
but I, I didn't even believe that I was bypass. Like I didn't, you didn't even, even believe know it. I was. Yeah. I didn't. You know, there, I, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of awareness about that. No, it's kind of kind of compartmentalizing of your life, yeah. essentially. Trying to find the like the other side of it. Trying to be like, well, when I make this person like me, when I do this, when I'm, you know, then I'll get happiness. Then I'll be accepted. Oh, then yeah. I'll have love. And yeah. I spent, and and I don't know how common this is or whatever, but my own experience, I probably spent my life until. 27 or 28 living in that place Hmm. really i mean even through grad school even though i was authentically being mean by virtue of pursuing my education academically yeah academically it was other parts of you were yeah it wasn't until the last couple years where i was really like no this is who i am as todd and i'm showing up right now with all my imperfections and that was actually around the time that i started to really bring meditation in a way that wasn't topical into my practice. And so there really was a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A convergence of Mm. the personal and the professional. And when that happened and they weren't on these separate tracks, that's when I started to be able to um, have that resonance with myself. And when I started doing that, I noticed, and I, and, and, you know, I mean this just as matter of factly as like, not as coming from this ego place of like right now, here's the pleasing part. Why you come up be like, you know, like, trying to give a caveat well, but you're qualifying right I'm we qualifying, all do that yeah yeah of like of something that you know is, there's to be proud of, of the just moment, own it yeah. yeah the moment there was that resonance the moment people started gravitating towards me yep that was the aha uh-huh. yeah like oh like in in noticing in interactions that things you know go longer or things that i'm like the quality people, or it's deeper quality, connection it's yeah deeper mm-hmm. it's it's more vivid it's real tangible and, yeah and you got into the meaty bits. I got into the meaty bits, and <laughs> and and more people were showing me their meaty bits that Aww. were in everyday life. That should be the name of the episode: How to Show Your Meaty Bits. Meaty to others. <laughs> you know, but I think there's something to be said of because I was showing up and I was showing my meaty bits. People were like, "Well, then I'll show you mine." Oh, hashtag meaty bits. <laughs> hashtag oh, meaty bits. We've done it. We've that, arrived. That can't be the name of the episode. Meaty bits. <laughs> Episode 1.3, Meaty Bits. Okay, so now, now, what advice do you wish you would have not taken from others that people are giving you, mm. at your 20-year-old self? Let me think what people were giving me to me at that point. So I was at, so at 2021, 20, between those ages, I think I was starting to make the transition around that time from my community college to UCSB. Um, I hope you all can hear this really cute dog. I think if it's water, it's really <laughs> We're going to find out later. Yeah. The dog was, before we even had this podcast, the dog was humping pillows. So I think that they were pretty good. Um, not just any pillow is a pillow in the shape of a snowman. So she's just getting ready for Holiday Christmas. themed. She's yeah. ready for the holidays. Yeah. Bringing in the holidays <laughs> early. It's a speed spirit. I like to say she's getting frosty with Frosty. <laughs> Deck in the halls. Good for, good for her. Yeah. Good for her. I'm glad she's having that for herself. Um, she's showing up for herself. She's showing up. She's, she knows we're talking about her now. She's herself. She's looking at us. Yeah. Um, I think, so in terms of what advice I wouldn't have wanted to take from somebody is, um, and... Because you're in this transition period, right? So you're going from period. junior college to the university, Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Things are changing, Right. Yeah, okay. I think I'm trying to think of something someone may have explicitly said to me. Well, remember, it could be or it could may, be something it, you told it, yourself, too. exactly, or it could be don't do this. You should stop doing this. That's also advice. Yeah. So it may not be the positive, encouraging. Mm-hmm. It may be maybe what now you see like that was really destructive, and I really wish I hadn't listened to that. Yeah, I mean, I think which 
maybe it's a cheating answer, but like from the things that I had heard from people earlier in my life, there was this like, who, how are you going to succeed in this PhD program? Mm -hmm. You don't even, you haven't even taken you you had to take the SAT. You don't know what is going to happen. This is a lot of money. Um, There are all kinds of things to deter me from even being the first one out of my whole family Mm -hmm. to finish college to do that. And very few of us have left any of our hometowns. And so wow. to leave, and it was just, I, I had to really, and I had to, like, say, no, I'm leaving to my parents. And um, that was hard, but I didn't, I said, you know what, this is the only path that I can see right now happening for mm-hmm. me. Um, I wish you all could see this dog right now with this little bow tie that Ryan is holding. It's it's the most <laughs> wonderful bit. She's got my ear. Yeah. <laughs> the bit again. Back to the <laughs> Moxie is So, so it's really kind herself. of limiting advice. They're kind of expressing, like, who do you think you are? You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has, so why could you do yeah. that? Yeah. And that's and its own form of advice. It is. And it's it's this, like, and then it manifests if I'm in this discussion group, a small seminar of other grad students where I'm sitting there quiet, like, oh, that's an interesting opinion. That's an interesting opinion and not actually checking of myself. What's my opinion? But more of, like, almost, like, piggybacking off of everybody else if I'm going to do it. And so I would say that's the piece of feedback that I, from wherever that came from, explicitly, implicitly, that I wish I had let go of a little mm-hmm. bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I bet, I mean, I, I still wrestle with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like my, you know, people in my life saying, why would you do this kind of work? This is a waste of your talent. Mm-hmm. And I still hear those, those voices, you know, in that echo chamber. Yeah. 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 And that those will be there. Right. The echo chamber is an echo chamber. It's just going right. to bounce back echoing. and forth. Yeah. But you can hear those echoes and the echoes maybe will become a little more softer. They're not going to be as impacting. Yeah. Impacting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, advice you give yourself mm-hmm. is own it own it own it be genuine and own it and the stuff that you would ignore don't don't st- listen to other people's don't listen to other people's for you. stuff yeah. other people's voices yeah like listen to them but don't let it dictate yours mm-hmm. you know don't let others dictate your future yeah your future and your, your thoughts and your presence. And that yeah. both can coexist and you can influence each other, but yours is not worth any less or even any more. We're all of equal worth in terms of our opinions, even if some of them are more factually informed or not. But like, you still bring it to the table. Now I'm getting a little more political. Well, <laughs> as Nietzsche said, there's, there are no facts, only interpretations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> some people let that get carried away, though. That's true. Yeah. What are some recommendations you hear in your profession and area of expertise that you might disagree with? Um, I don't know if this is directly answering the question, so feel free to get me back on track. But is I think it's really good in our field that we are looking at, okay, is the outcomes of this something that's useful? So, mm-hmm. so that way we're not just whimsically doing whatever it is we need, we want to do or we think is going to be useful. Because I think there's a lot of therapists that do probably need some guidelines and some help around that. Or some therapy, their own therapy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think right now, I have, there's a part that I'm nervous about, but there's a part that I, at the same time I'm very hopeful about is I think sometimes we get so outcome-based that we forget who's sitting in front of us mm. as a client. Mm-hmm. Like, my client may have a part, to, like, meet the criteria for certain, like, DSM diagnosis, but that's not who they are as right. a person, right? So maybe someone... Or the most helpful to them. Yeah. And some people may find it validating. Right. Um, I don't know. And, but, you know, even then I'm like, okay, well, don't label yourself with that. That's an aspect of who that. you are. It doesn't yeah, identify right. who you are. Because yeah. sometimes we see that, like, well, well, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a depressive. 
you know, mm-hmm. and so that's that, my life. that gives me uh, this free pass yeah. to not be responsible because mm-hmm. I just did that because I'm depressed. Yeah. Or didn't do that because I'm depressed. Right. So yeah, yeah I hear you. Yeah. And I think we need to start as a field looking, balancing it and say, you know, we have classifications for a reason. So that way I think there's a lot of therapists or, you know, we're practicing. We need to like be able to like think about where is this falling and how do these, what symptoms experiences might resonate more commonly for others. But at the same time, like, okay, now that, you know, the way I think about it is, and this is a very much a Buddhist contemplative approaches. And then when you're sitting with the client, throw that aside mm-hmm. and be with them. Cause if somebody is, you know what, like this is, a, here's a concrete example. And this is something I've fallen into. If somebody does meet the guy, the criteria of narcissistic personality disorder, and I think we throw around that word too much. And so that person's a narc and this and that, mm-hmm. but, um, okay. Well, even if that is the case, why, and at the end of the day is that person had some major pain and that major and that's hurt. their coping with that. That's yeah. their coping strategy. Yeah. And so how do we as a therapist deconstruct that? Yeah, yeah. Deconstruct it and have, and when I say empathy, I don't mean just like, okay, let the person completely keep enabling them knacking in that way. But of, can you access that place of suffering? And that's what contemplative psychotherapy really comes mm. back to is suffering. And the suffering is that feeling in the human condition is something that we all share and if you can touch that pace, place with the client, you then can still be boundaried with the client, but in a way that's compassionate mm. and direct and full of love. And sometimes that way of being is to say no, is to say, no, you've, you know, you're showing up late to sessions or you're mm. not making use of the time. And maybe we need to say, we need to put some guidelines around this because then therapy is going to be useful. And that in itself, if it's coming from place of your therapist, not your own hurt, but more of this is going to be useful for Constructive the client. Constructive for the client. Yeah. yeah. Then to, to take that step. Um, so I think as a field, we have a lot of approaches now. We're trying to think more holistically. But I think now we're at this crossroads where we're trying to bridge the two of saying. Of outcomes and the work yeah. with the actual work. Yeah, yeah. The subjective humanity of each person. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we can do it. But I think it's just we have to bring these almost two camps back together in some ways. Right. It's yeah. this labeling and kind of categorizing people, but remembering they're humans and that they're all unique and different. So how can we kind of get those two things in, in the same room and space? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can let go of the labeling and just be present with the person mm-hmm. and help them work through whatever they're trying to work through. Yeah. Right? And, and I think if you can do that too, as a therapist, and I think this is where we all different approaches, but mine would be almost in some ways showing them my thought process and being transparent. I'm like, this is what I'm considering right now. Yeah. So that way they can do it too. They're like, par- and they're participating with you yeah. in the process. Yeah. Yeah. It's shared. And when they're saying, oh, I'm a depressive person, well, then how can they think about it in a way of, yeah, I do meet these guidelines. And yeah, have empathy for myself and compassion for the depressive pieces that's uh, their experience. But then not letting that become their mantle or not letting that become their, well, then I am a depressed person. It dictates, yeah, their yeah. identity. Yeah. You're going to start doing it. You're right. starting to yeah. like manifest destiny, yeah. right? Like, you just, mm-hmm. yeah, <coughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if you could put a billboard mm-hmm. anywhere, where would you put it? And what would the billboard say? So is this just any billboard or is this my practice billboard? Is this whatever my, whatever comes to mind. Like I'm inspiring people billboards. Your, your billboard me. to the world. Whatever oh. you want it to be. This is a big question. I remember where it would be, so that probably has some significance too. Okay. I mean, I think I would have it. 
Like, I'm trying to, like, identify a place right now. I'm like, where, where's in need of the billboard? Also, I'm like, everywhere's in need of the billboard. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. Words that are coming up to me right now. That'll help. I think that'll help me. Like, unity, compassion, understanding, um, the human experience. So, I'm almost envisioning some kind of billboard of some kind of image or some words that could be connective for people. And, um, and it's so hard right now because I, I think what places is coming from is how, you know, divided we are right mm, now mm-hmm. as a country, right? And like, there is real, like harmful things that are happening real that hurt, we have to yeah. like stand out against. Yeah. And at the same time, be compassionate with those people too. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's just be compassionate. Okay. Yeah. Be compassionate. And, and where I, would you put it? Um, to make it harder. Can I pick two places? Can I put one in like a city and uh, one in a rural area? We'll, we'll allow that. Or allow that? We'll, we'll allow that. Okay, there's two then. Just for you. There's two then. Yeah, there's two then. That's the best I got on that one. So a rural, what would you pick? Like, could you pick a, a place? Like in the country or in the world? In the country, in the world, I would have it in, I don't know. The rural parts North of Dakota. Blank. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's go for that. Okay, the rural parts are actually North Dakota, Dakota needs some. The Dakotas need some love right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, what about your city billboard? Where would you put that? I would put that. Actually, I'd put it right next to. There's another billboard. There's this um, poet <laughs> that like posts like different nice little po- like little like excerpts and and it's changed every season. Like, and I've looked into this, because this person, I was like, oh, I, I couldn't tell what their gender identity was, and, and I l- read more about them, and they said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, a sh- this is what they said, they're like, I'm a straight, cisgender man that likes women's clothing, hmm. and just owning that, and, but he's like, I'm, I want to put these billboards up, and, you know, he's dressed up, there's always some kind of lovely border for, like, the holiday seasons, and, wow. and, and he's like, if I, and he put it, he puts it up right. Um, there's like a, um, a section of the city where there's like three major highways and they all kind of come together and into town. And so you're going to see that if you're living in Pittsburgh, you're going to see that almost every, every day, if not every other day. And it's right there. And I've never not been in a car of someone and some, you don't just smile. It's not, it's like, Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd want it right next to his. I think it could be like a little, like nice warm corner for everybody. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. An accent. Yeah. Nice accent. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for challenging him. He finally nailed him down. Yeah. I took a, it took it was a roundabout, but right when he got it, he got locked in. I can't be locked in. Yeah. He found the right bits and he did yeah. it. All right. Now it's time for Get Rorschach. Get Rorschach. Oh, That's right. All right. So for all you out there listening, remember this is uh, kind of inspired by uh, Herman Rorschach. He was a psychiatrist back in the early 20s. And he was fascinated with the ink blot, which was actually a game um, that they played mm. in those times um, called mm. Blotto. Blotto, I didn't know. Yeah, and yeah. so it was kind of like a charades in a sense, where they would use these ink blots and they would like create these stories out of the out of the ink blots and whatever they saw. So mm-hmm. um, over time, he kind of uh, started seeing that certain people saw certain you know different things, and that actually people who were living with schizophrenia kind of would see things differently than yeah. uh, kind of your average, if what is average person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he 
you know, kind of went back and really started figuring out how to use this in uh, psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. Can't get it out of my mouth, but um, <laughs> really, really fascinating mm. um, work that he did. And it's not used so much today, but it was very much a thing um, in, you know, the early 20s. and you know, My first psych class, we did we did the Inkblock yeah. test. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, if you'll humor me, we are going to get Rorschach. So, guest first. Gosh. All right, Todd, you are up first. I want you to take a look at this image, this mm-hmm. ink block, this famous ink block, and I want you to describe what you see, mm-hmm. and then we want to hear a little story about that. Like, take us on a journey. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's lead us someplace. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Oh, shoot. Those are some ass kicking boots. Um, <laughs> it's already, people are already intrigued. Mm. Yeah. Boots. So I see two different boots. Um, they have, it reminds me of those, I don't know what the terminology is, but you know those Western boots that have like the little like metal thing at the bottom? It's the like spurs. Little, spurs. The spurs, yeah. Boots and spurs. Boots and spurs. This looks like some boots and spurs boots. Um, <laughs> and so I'm imagining like watching one of those, you know, those, those, what do you call those? Like the country westerns. Westerns. There's one just westerns. Like I'm gonna meet you out somewhere at midnight, and we're gonna have the. the <laughs> I think it's high noon, up. but high noon. <laughs> I don't midnight. know. What I'm I, I, you know all Mid- the midnights about. at the club. Yeah, high noon is in the streets. <laughs> yeah, on the dusty street. Thank you. So we're there. That'd be a fun like, shooting in the dark at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gunfight to disco music. Would be pretty I amazing. can't find you. <laughs> yeah. Shoot anyway. Yeah. Well, so so this. Um, Oh, actually, I see two sets. So there's um, a man and a woman. They're, but they're they're confused because they're wear, they're dressed in these boots. They have all of their gear on. They think they're in you know whatever year time period that they had westerns happen in, and um, but they accidentally traveled in time, and so mm. they are now at the disco and they don't even know what to do with this music but you know what they're popular because they got those vests on and people really like them <laughs> like and the village people they they're village people yeah <laughs> but it's coming back i it's like this story back. it's coming back it's all coming I have back. To it all comes you. back yeah um and so they're getting on the club and everyone loves them they're like yeah you you do look awesome Own and they're it. like they're like, why? Like, they don't understand. They're just going to go for a high noon. And, but they're confused because it's like midnight. And it's all, everyone, it's a whole thing. And so... They, I don't think I can top this. I don't yeah. know where to go after this. And so they're leaving the club. But they smell this really good intoxicating scent. And they're not used to it. Like, I don't know what they ate back in those days that they ate raccoons or cockroaches or, like, things like that. Whatever. Probably they not veal. They, they didn't find veal no, because they, they didn't have cows in. Or they didn't rabbit. Yeah. 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 Um, and so raccoons. they see one of those. Straight for the raccoon. That's yeah. what I would do. Raccoons and squirrels. <laughs> raccoons and squirrels. But they, but they I'm smell. I'm going to eat that. They, yeah. But they're so excited because now they smell something that smells like a real... Like, like, is that a fancy raccoon? It's a hot, one of those little hot dog trucks, you know, when you're, like, drunk and walking around the club. And they see people, like, you know, putting all, like, the tubes of mayo and ketchup and relish. And they don't know what's happening. And, you know, they walk up and, you know, they have whatever currency they used back in those times. They probably, it was just, like, met gold. Maybe gold bars, and they're trying to get the gold bars to that yeah, the bar. person. They're trying <laughs> gold to bar for you. So they're paying you. like millions of dollars for <laughs> yeah. a, bar. a bacon wrapped hot and, dog yeah. and carrying the bars with them yeah. when they go out to the bar. Yeah, and this 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 hot dog guy, he 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 knows his stuff though. He knows fake gold when he sees it, and not so he's 
biting the fake gold as to check it. Yeah, to check it. I think that's what they do, right? Right. Um, if it's soft, it's gold. If yeah, it's not, and then... it's it's legit. So they just get. They're like the guys. Like, do you just want this cart? And they're like, yeah. And they just eat it, and it's the best hot dog that they've had. And they decide they're not even interested in going back home at this point. And now they're living in the 21st century, and they love hot dogs and and their cowboy boots. Their cowboy boots, and and then they learn a thing called um, a leather club, and then they had a good night. <laughs> that's all I got. A leather club. <laughs> So clearly they got assless chaps on. They have well now they do. That's where this is going. So, yeah, I cannot even. Up that. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta give it something. Okay. <laughs> now that was such a good story. I want to just take his story. That's a beautiful and find story. Find the boots in it. <laughs> First thing I'm seeing is a temple, mm. like a Shaolin temple. Yeah. Probably because I've been watching some kung fu movies this week. So I'm seeing I'm seeing these, the the classic story of the the, the, the young learner who mm-hmm. gets his ass handed to him, and then the master shows him the new technique, yeah, the new fighting style, and then he has to go back and defend Ooh, what his is village. The fighting style, the new fighting style, yeah, the new fighting style is the fly swata technique. Deadly, the deadly fly swata. Is that technique. different than the wash on wash off? Oh, definitely. Thing? Yeah, yeah, it's a little more. Yeah, involved more more insect based yeah. fighting mm-hmm. styles mm-hmm. like mantis. Yeah, like the mantis. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay. so this is how you would combat the mantis was oh, the fly yeah. swata. Fly swata. Yeah, mm-hmm. fly swata <laughs> or cockroach. Any of those techniques. Yeah. So he's he's up the bar. I got to keep this going. So then he has to defend his village, and he successfully does that. And his family now lives a life. He can finally have the the person of his dreams, and then. He starts his own school, the Fly Swata Technique School, out of his own, and uh, then he has to build his own temple. So, mm. and that's a different Rorschach that we don't have right now. What's so. the name of the school? His school or the school he went to? Both. Both. The temple he went to was the Shanghai Temple, mm. and his temple is the Silent Temple Ooh, with no cool. name. The temple with no name. Mm-hmm. That's what it I is. was gonna go with with the uh, the Swata Kata. Temple. I thought about that, but I'm gonna keep <laughs> keep driving that into the ground. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a great story. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right, now you're up. You got to give us a story. Now yeah. Too. Okay. So I see a beast. Ooh. Uh, he's got like you know he's kind of got the the skull with the the big giant kind of eyes and smoke is coming out from behind. And this beast is trying to take over the world. And as they do. As they what do. Else I mean, they what else right. they going to do? They don't play peanut ball. Options. No, yeah. I mean, that's all he he's was like, just been told that's what he does of his life. Yeah, well, I, I mean, think... he did consider like just like playing a game of marbles, but he was like, eh, yeah, let's yeah. go with the, like, the my marbles. What's the beast the do? World. Meditate mm-hmm. and think about the. Right. Yeah. He went with my marbles, the world. Sorry, Flatlanders. Yeah. It is round, <laughs> contrary to popular belief. <laughs> Again. Again. Challenging. Yeah. <laughs> we will defeat this theory. We will defeat this theory. <laughs> and so the beast is on his warpath. He's building his army. He's recruiting other demons to infiltrate this planet, this round mm. planet. <laughs> Are, is it in our dimension? Uh, he's oh. from another dimension. Thank okay. you for sharing that. Yeah, he's in the. Is he fighting in our dimension or his dimension? He's in his dimension, but he's trying to like warp crash through, into crash our, through. Uh, yeah, like Stranger Things. Yeah, he's too. trying to break down the veal. 
Yeah. To get behind, to get yeah. to the bits. He has to, to get, get to the, the meaty bits. He yeah. wants to get the meaty bits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how he does it. So if he can mix the meaty bits in with wine, <laughs> then, then it he crashes wins. the veal, mm. right, between the two worlds. And that's how he connects and the he, dimensions. And that's yeah. how he connects. And then he just, he can, yeah, he can split them apart mm-hmm. and ah, come through. So yeah. meaty bits is the bridge. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so everything. It's absolutely. And the meaty yeah. bits also feeds, his, that's like his energy. So he has to decide between like how much energy do I give to like break the veal or and how much do I keep for myself so he can be strong enough once he comes through. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right. So he has like yeah. this He can't give others too much. No. no yeah. So he's that. gotta really like try to balance this yeah. this thing. So we have a mo- movie on our hands, a franchise. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Stranger Things. I just said Stranger Things too. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. the mind the twist is yeah. he went to the Swatakata uh, school <laughs> temple. Yeah. Yeah. temple. Uh, to learn how to balance these two things yeah. together. And while he was there, so, uh, my he ended up running into these time-traveling cowboys mm. with assless chaps uh, that wanted to teach him about leather and the, all the, the leather things clubs that I should go do. to. The Absolutely. best leather clubs to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get to Ironically, you can get kind of all kinds of weapons in these leather clubs, like oh, whips and handcuffs and things yeah. of that nature, chains maybe. Mm-hmm. And so this was just a combination of it all came together. It all came together. Did he have fun though? Did he did he participate for a little while? Absolutely. <laughs> he did, and yeah. he ended up having his. It culminated in a massive battle at high midnight <laughs> against our two um, cowboys. Cowboy no, they were helping him. They were, were like, him yeah, all coming together. He, they all recruited, and they were you know oh. shooting in the dark. Did he find happiness and not take over the world? Or he still well, we don't know because anyway? it was all in dark. It still happened because clearly it was at high midnight. So. Gotcha. Mm. So we never know. So nobody knows. Yeah. We'll never know. Absolutely. No. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes you just don't know. And that's Get Get Rorschach. Now, we're going to post this on Instagram. We want you guys to check it, and we want you guys to give your comment. And if you want to add a story, then go with what we're doing and add your own story. So, and I think we're going to, let's go ahead and do the other we were talking about, too. So, we're going to do a new segment, Mm -hmm. Bro Flow, which is to share any, maybe let's say two, three things that you've just been doing, enjoying movies. any activities, anything you've been doing, anything you've been reading currently that you're kind of excited about? Mm-hmm. Maybe a recommendation to other people, too. Mm-hmm. Let me think. What have I been doing lately? I've actually been doing, I mean, I know I talked about this a little bit earlier, but again, just of, um, I've been getting really back into CrossFit. Mm. So that's something that's been really fun for me because, you know, I talked about like the importance of just overall try to healthy living and everything like that. But I feel like I've really found my flow with this because for me, I know myself, it's, I'm so community-based and like to interact with people that mm. if I'm like, oh, I have to go to the gym and be like, oh, I have to do so many, wherever sets of this or that mm. or the other. Like, it's not fun. I'm just like sitting there like, okay, I'd rather like go be at the juice bar and like having a smoothie. But if I'm, <laughs> but if I'm doing it with other people, which CrossFit is, it's like once you maybe get over your own like, oh, you know, I, I wish I could do this or that, it's a lot of fun. And for me, having good connections there of other people that like cheer me on as well and I cheer them on is it makes it, – it gives me energy and it makes it fun. So it's – and it's nice because, you know, during the week when we're all busy at work, it's sometimes hard to just be like, okay, now I'm going to go see friends or spend mm. time. And so it's a way where I get to combine – you know, exercise and community and community. And, um, I've found a gym that's, you know, it's really nice. It's, I mean, it's, you know, you have, um, 
people of all kinds of different walks of life. And, you know, I've been to other CrossFit gyms that are much more like, you know, bro-y and much more like, oh, I have, I'm, 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 I'm like, I can't go in there and like do this. this is, you know, this is too bro for this me. This is too bro This is too like, I'm The guy's just drunk all the time for no What's reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk around talking about their sets and their reps and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. And, and this are one, you repping? Yeah. yeah. I'd be repping you. Oh, are you repping you? I'll spot you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with this one, it's like you get everybody in there, which is so nice and different. And like nobody feels – it's like you have people of different ethnicities, different genders, different sexual orientations, and everyone just comes together. Mm. And so uh, – like and I've rarely seen that um, in other CrossFit communities. Um, and so – then so I've been doing that and I've been doing the music bringing the violin and bringing like creativity mm. around and so for me I think those are a couple things that are really nice and I would just say you know for folks who are like oh I'm too old to do this or that like pick something and just go with it and just mm. go with the flow and I think if that's a musical instrument great if that's going into some kind of theater thing great if that's writing then great if that's you know doing a podcast great mm. and just and and you don't have anything to lose to just to try and you never have to do it again. So I would say like, that's kind of where my, just try it on. Just try it on. I'm just in this trying it on phase right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm. Uh, something I've been getting into a little bit is this thing called the OOAD loop by Boyd. He was a, I forget, I don't know his first name. I just know that he was like a military strategist. Um, and in kind of like the Korean war era Mm. and, so this is kind of this really deep um, thought process and, and amalgamation of different uh, scientific back kind of backgrounds and philosophies coming together to create what would, on the surface seems like very rudimentary and easy. Like, oh, yeah, okay, I observe, and then I orient to whatever mm. I'm observing, and then I decide and then I act, and then it kind of loops back on. Sounds like a mindful itself. practice almost, mm-hmm. the way he's describing right. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, like, on the surface, it seems like, oh, well, that's that's not really that, I mean, mind-breaking Everybody does or anything that, yeah. like that. Everybody kind of does that. And once you kind of quantify or p- kind of place it like that, um, and, and it seems easy, but it's really not if you kind of di- dive, do a deep dive into it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it, what happened was is in, in that process, it turned me on to uh, game theory, and mm. thermodynamics of all things. Mm-hmm. So I find Naturally. myself like, I just, this is what happens to me all the time. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then it makes me like jump into this next rabbit yeah. hole. And I, <laughs> before I know it, I'm reading about thermodynamics. Yeah. And, um, but I, I actually am reading about game theory right now, which is just a way of saying basically strategy. Mm. Like, how do we strategize and what does that look like? Um, how we read each other. Right. And absolutely. Like mm-hmm. And so I'm just getting into that. So that's like been really fun and fascinating. Mm. So mm. I can't wait to figure out what's going to come of that, right? So I just know that's a really fun rabbit hole that I'm yeah. falling in right now, like Alice. Yeah. So It's cool because uh, it's not dire- – I mean, it is related, but it's not directly related to what you would be doing usually, you know? So it's like something of like, oh, I'm just learning this because I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. So – and then kind of like more on just like the having fun thing right now, I'm into this uh, strategy, again, strategy game uh, called Hearthstone. Mm. Um, which is online, so you can play it on it's your free, yeah. tablet, yeah. phone, whatever. Yeah, it's free. Um, and it's in kind of the Blizzard is the um, developer and maker of it. And it's just really fun. It's like, you know, really 
neat kind of artwork on the cards and you know, you're just playing against one it's of like the card based battle game. Card based yeah. battle game yeah. that you get linked deck with building. all these people. It's all yeah. over the internet. So you're playing, you know, people all over the world. Yeah, it's oh, huge. Wow. You know, which is really neat. Like I mean, you're not talking to them or anything, but oh. you're just kinda you know, like a chat window or anything like that? Like you, people there is if you friend that person, but you know, I you don't need I to. typically don't do that. I just, just play the game and play the and, game. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, it's fun. So mm. yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I would say check it out. So I have, I guess, uh, the more scholastic thing I've been doing would be just kind of, I think of two things. One is kind of like, what is the value of justice? And where does that take us? And what, I feel like sometimes we pursue justice to any cost, any length, and ends up costing us more than we ever get back. So really kind of researching about the value of doing that as opposed to maybe responding in compassion first, right? Compassion. And I don't think they have to be binary, but I feel like people put those oppositionally, you know, compassion here and justice over here. I think if people were maybe compassionately just, we'd have a much different society. So that's one thing I've been looking at. And second thing, I think I just lost in my own thought. Oh, the concept of knowing. That's been something that's really, I've been kind of wrestling with. How do you know when you, you've gained knowledge of something? And that's a little bit abstract is, when people say, well, I know what you're thinking, or I know what you should do. You know, when you hear those kind of, that kind of language around you, it's like, do you really know? I mean, can you really, if I can't really know myself, how can you possibly know me well enough to tell me what I should do or what direction I should take? So that's more kind of like the intellectual stuff, uh, the more escapism kind of stuff. Uh, well, this is kind of a, not very escapist, but I watched a really good documentary called Dawnland, D A W N L A N D. And it takes place in Maine and is the first government based strategy, kind of restorative strategy, to acknowledge a lot of the wounds that happened to Native Indians. Mm. And it's it's basically like for anybody that's familiar with restorative justice, it's actually a government sponsored restorative justice mm. program being used mm-hmm. in this in this Indian community. Mm. It was just on PBS. Uh, it's it's their series Independent Lens. And it's really I watched it last week, but it's just been kind of sticking with me. Just seeing it, a lot of it was just holding that space with people yeah. and, and allowing people to kind of hurt and grieve. And as we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of disconnection in our world. There's a lot of hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people doing things either to take those positions like I want to hurt people and you have the people that are being hurt, you know, mm-hmm. kind of constantly. So how would maybe restorative justice change the course of that if people really could just sit with each other i really do think everybody is hurting like you mentioned earlier that thing mm-hmm. of suffering everybody is hurting you know if we could kind of sit and listen be more attentive to the hurts that people are, are dealing with so it was a really powerful documentary uh fun stuff i'm reading this really good comic called regression oh. and it is this really interesting concept it starts with this guy it's not i'm not gonna give any spoilers about it but i do it's by a, an author named colin bunn Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like uh, Stephen King of comics, I would say. He did like a, a children's version called Harrow County. But regression is this guy is he starts kind of visualizing uh, bugs. He keeps seeing these different kind of bugs. And the friend says, hey, I want you to go, go to the fair with me. My friend's a hypnotist. Mm-hmm. So he gets hypnotized and all this other crazy stuff starts happening. His past life stuff starts happening. So it's it's really good. It's The artwork is amazing. It is kind of on the horror side. So if you don't like that kind of stuff, then... I would not recommend it to you, but if you do like kind of thriller kind of comics, it's very escapist. And it's a lot of fun. Mm. 
Well, speaking of comics, I was um, kind of going through my stuff. I've been cleaning up my office um, to hopefully move kind of where we're casting actually up into that space. Um, and I, I do have a lot of comics in there, and I came across uh, Seven to, Etern mm, seven so good. to Eternity. Seven to Eternity. And it's Rick Remender. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so good. good. Yeah. yeah. Just, I, I'm a, you know, I love art and. Man, this artist is just amazing. Mm -hmm. and, this, and then Rick Remender, you know, bringing in the story has such a great storyline. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to see this turn into some sort like a of series or a Netflix movie or series yep. or film. Hopefully, Netflix series because then that means it goes on a lot longer. Yeah. Than just a two hour or two and a half. Can hour you give like a little synopsis mm -hmm. for people that are mm -hmm. kind of to let them know what, uh, how they would classify it? The oh comic? my gosh. Mm -hmm. um, just like this beautiful sci-fi fantasy fantasy yeah. where you know you kind of have this oppressive you know king that's kind of you know s taking people's souls or living through them and seeing through them and kind of controlling all these mm -hmm. things and you have you know this family that's really kind of fighting this, against this fighting yeah. against this oppression and has this kind of power you know this secret power that can manifest in different ways mm -hmm. different skills and so you know the king is trying to take over take them over like get yeah. them to give in they kind of barter a deal he'll give them anything they want but he gets to use their body to watch whatever's around them. he's kind of expanding mm -hmm. his tentacles around the world mm -hmm. right. it's really yeah his yeah, and his so voice good. is really clever when yeah. did this come out when was the first last first year issue? there's yeah, only last... like eight or eight or nine oh, okay. so far yeah, yeah. issues so it's yeah. new enough to where it could be picked up it's oh like easily yeah you could pick up a trade yeah you could pick up a trade for yeah. nine bucks to get you started then get mm -hmm. caught up with the rest the next right. trade should be out probably by january February. right and then so like this and then a team kind of forms you know from different kind of areas and kind of got like a lord of the rings feel like this yeah, the group bands together with different abilities and different races and mm -hmm. yeah but the artwork yeah. is amazing the story is incredible right. yeah. well actually one of his uh one of his other comics are coming to sci-fi deadly class deadly okay. class yeah. is about high school students are being trained as assassins oh wow but he has he loves he writes to music so yeah. at the end of a lot of his comics he'll put like his playlist yeah and he it's all like a lot of punk and really like indie music kind mm -hmm. of drives his writing so the textures while the comics have that based on the music he's been listening to oh wow so deadly class is coming to sci-fi and they've, they've been showing some screenshots probably within the next maybe next year we're gonna have that on that'll be one of his first ones oh, that's awesome yeah he's a f phenomenal writer yeah yeah huh. yeah i would definitely say check it out if you what, get what's his name again? rick remender rick remender rick yeah you yeah. can't there's nothing he makes that's that, that's bad all of his stuff is oh, phenomenal that's great. yeah and he's he's you know older, so it's uh, some adult themed stuff, but it's mm -hmm. really really good. Yeah, it reminds, it reminds me a little bit of manga. Mm, yeah, like of like it's an evolution like, of that yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I think about like back in my day of like Tenshi Moyo, Evangelion, <laughs> these like real deep stories, mm -hmm. and I think people oftentimes think of comics as something that's like oh that's for kids, childish, right? it's yeah, just playful. I'm like no. The Read the themes in these. Yeah. The themes, like mm -hmm. that's some of the deepest work, and you actually wouldn't know that. The majority of our TV shows and movies are all coming from graphic novels right. and comics right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, that's where really all creative the, minds. The new material is coming from. Yeah. You know, this the newest stories, unique, yeah. you know, uh, independent stuff that's you know not redone over. Back and over a lot of rehashed tropes we see yeah. over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I think I you know attribute image, you know, image comics being yeah. kind of one of these like cutting edge, cutting edge yeah. breakthrough. And it's really artist-based, right? Yeah. It, it's, that's why so many people gravitate to images. Right. Well, they're diverging from like, you know, when, it, when I thought of comics, you know, before you introduced them to me was like superheroes and right. spandex mm -hmm. and like Which, I can fly just because yeah. I 
think about it. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is like, to me, I hate, I hate that. Yeah. I hate superheroes. I think they're like, lame because they're yeah. just not human enough for me. Yeah. There's no consequence you know, to what like, they do a lot yeah. of times. If nothing can beat you, then why even? There's no conflict. Yeah, why anything. even try? You, mm-hmm. It would become mundane, I would think. You yeah. know, I, I like seeing, you know, someone that's a little flawed and kind of torn between doing what's right and maybe not, you know, because that's closer to us. That's our experience. So I just think everything else is cheesy and cheap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Image is really cool because it's just, they just say, whatever you want to do, we'll let you do. So that allows for all this really great creativity. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's it, guys. Thank you for joining us. That's episode number three. Todd, thank you. Uh, Give you another chance to plug anything you would like to plug. Thank you. No, it's been exciting to be here. My first podcast, and I'm surviving. You did, yeah, and, and laughing. Got we got it. We got some accents. We, we got, got some, some sound effects. And, you know, sound effects and some soul searching. Some Oprah soul Sundays. Um, <laughs> great I think that's my Oprah is my spirit animal. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of people. The cult of Oprah. Yeah, interesting. Of Oprah. I did hear you bring that up. Kind of like you saw yourself kind of with that, like the dog spirit animal. Yeah, and the fox. And the fox. In, what can, where did that come from? Is that something that you thought about like deeply, or is just I, see, something that just came to mind? I have thought about it deeply, even before you know my therapy. We talked about how to bring some of the dog energy with the fox energy to discern that. But when I was a kid, I mean, I just always gravitated to the fox, and it's funny because I actually remember watching the Fox and the Hound. The fox's mm-hmm. name is Todd, and I remember it was so silly, like. So I was, we were watching it in, in school, and then some little boy, he goes, his name is Todd, too. Ha! And, and my mind, and like at the time when you were a kid, even though like now you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah confirmation. That's, that's, yeah. that's accurate. That's mm-hmm. Todd and Todd. Um, at the time, I'm like, no. And like I, that was so offended. <laughs> but like it stuck out of my mind. But nonetheless, I'm like, yeah, the fox has always been something I've connected with. And you know, I try not to, like, I know a lot of people feel like, especially when we talk about spirit animals, that there's, like, an appropriation piece to it, especially Native American culture, so I try to be respectful of that, but it's something that, it's an animal that I've, ever since I was a kid, particularly the fox, I don't know where it's come from, but it's always something that You're drawn to. Feel, yeah. I'm drawn to when I'm confused and, and I'm trying to figure out a path forward, if I can envision the fox, mm. like, I can somehow find a direction. Um, that is really cool. Yeah. Uh, I resonate with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. uh, I actually was the book kind of that I uh, quoted in our episode two is Wisdom of the Shamans. Mm. And it talks about kind of your, you know, your spirit animal. Um, and I hadn't really thought about spirit animals much in my life, you know, yeah. or the power of them or how they could be, so, you know, supportive. And when, you know, I was reading those passages and I was thinking about it, I'm like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I've always been drawn to fox. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Like fox racing, so I yeah. wear fox hats, <laughs> fox shirts, like all these different foxes, right, that I've just naturally been drawn to, and I never really thought about why. Yeah. You know, I just always liked the logo. I always mm-hmm. thought, oh, dude, that's cool. It resonated with, like, they're quick, you know, they're cunning, they're yeah. cunning, they're smart. You know, they're not usually you know, the biggest animals in the world, so they have to be, creative. you know, creative. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I was like, I that maybe that's why I was always drawn to it. So that's really interesting that you're yeah. drawn to fox too. Mm. So cool. really cool. Yeah. Right on. Do you have an animal that you connect with? I don't know if I've ever thought about it that much. Um, 
I know when I was a kid, I used to think about cheetahs for some reason. I just like the sleek, the the speed, you know, of mm. a cheetah. But I think more realistically would be a dog, probably. Mm. So mm. I think that the characteristics of, I think that unconditional love that, that, mm. that dogs have, and there's that um, philosophy, like the dog philosophy and cat philosophy. Cat philosophy: you feed me, you care for me, you take care of me. I must be God, right? Mm. That's cats. Dogs, you know, you take care of me, you feed me, you give me a place to stay. You must be God. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, there's something to that that I really resonate with, that unconditional love, mm-hmm. that unconditional forgiveness. You know, if I accidentally, you know, uh, don't let my dog out or if I accidentally, you know, he's around me and I kind of back into him, he doesn't hold it against me. He doesn't, you know, within seconds, he's yeah. already like clicking right. my face again, you know. Yeah. I had this really funny story <laughs> about that. Uh, so there's a, the true test of figuring out what unconditional positive regard is, is you put your partner and your dog in the trunk of your car and go drive around for 30 minutes, pop the trunk and see who's happy to see you. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Is that's that any really, lived experience? That's you really dark. Lived no. No. Okay. no, no, no. <laughs> and Moxie in the trunk. Yeah. She's yeah, on that's top. A, that's, that's a really dark story, but yes. Yeah, that got real dark. <laughs> <laughs> that's quickly. Um... But yeah, so I, so in terms of, I think you asked, I think this is the plugging moment. Sure. Anything uh, you want to plug, promote, yeah. anything you're doing? Um, so I'm right now, like I've mentioned in the process of starting my private practice, um, you know, of um, it's Avalar Wellness. So again, that's my last name, A, V as in Victor, E-L-L-A-R, wellness.com. Um, I'm offering psychotherapy, um, wellness coaching, uh, mindfulness workshops, whether that's for different organizations, groups, companies. Um, and also one thing that I'm excited about is offering supervision and consultation to other trainees and practitioners. Um, you know, all of these, web, whatever service I'm providing, it all comes, I think, really from this place of the importance of present moment awareness, being in touch with yourself, being genuine with yourself, so that way other people can do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's something I'm very passionate and excited about and, you know, just get in there and really do the work and, you know, my genuine, like I could talk about, again, the orientations and contemplative psychotherapy all I want, but the way I've been with the two of you and the, you know, is the way that I think I am as a therapist as well. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, whether you're listening and you're in Pittsburgh or you um, know someone who might be wanting to do this type of work, um, come check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any populations that you are specializing in or? Yeah. I mean, I have a background in, you know, we didn't talk about this too much, but it's on the website about my research working with um, LGBTQ mm-hmm. communities. Um, so that's something that's been very important near and dear to my heart. Um, working with college students, it, particularly people in just different, and I mean this very broadly, life transitions. That's something that's useful and people have been bullied and... Um, I'm really, I, I really connect also a lot with doing social anxiety work, broadly speaking, mm-hmm. too. Um, that's something I think there's always a lot of energy around, and maybe again, research is me search, but that's mm-hmm. the, that's it. That's something that I we always do. We're most passionate about. Yeah, yeah that we're all um, most affected by is what we're really most passionate about. Yeah, exactly. It's normal. Yeah, exactly. But um, for the most part, there's there's I think that those are the areas that I I'm most passionate about. Mm-hmm. But really, I use a similar approach with each anybody. Thing yeah. Create, yeah. Exactly. Great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. This has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a blast. Yes, it has.